Let's press in. Go a little deeper this morning. Why don't you have a seat? Good to see you today. Thank you for being here. And I want to say a welcome to our online family and um, the Destiny Table New York. Glad to have you with us. And I want to ask those of you here, would you just help me welcome our online families? We do say welcome. Thank you for joining us today. It's great. Uh, we are contending with a few air conditioning challenges, but um, we're going to make it just fine. Just how many of you glad you didn't grow up in Africa? Can I just get? It's really hot there. And they don't do air conditioning. I mean, some of you may have grown up in Africa, actually. But, uh, but no, uh, today we're going to um, just press into something that I've been really challenged with personally in the last month. And I want us, we're going to do something a little unusual in conclusion today of an actual demonstration of uh, something that we found as a family to be somewhat awkward. But the thing that I want to encourage you to know, we are all on this journey trying to find our way. We want to figure out what the Lord desires in the next season of the body of Christ. And uh, how many know God's doing a new thing? Uh, he's really trying to introduce us to a deeper understanding of what he had in mind all along. Uh, we, we've come to the realization we live in the overstimulated, underdeveloped Western world church mindset. I want you to think about what I just said. <laughs> overstimulated, underdeveloped. Uh, unless we keep everybody's attention entertained, uh, then we tend to lose. And that's the attractional model of ministry and church. And so we're really wrestling with all that, what all that means. We're working with a number of different ministries to try and uh, navigate through that and embrace the deeper reality of God uh, in the midst of his plan and his desire. And so what, what Tracy and I were actually talking a little bit about this this week, what we sometimes may find to be a little awkward. How many of you, just raise your hand if you've ever received and taken communion in your own home. Can I just see, raise your hand. All right, that's a good number. That's probably 70% of the people in the room, which, you know, we've commissioned that uh, as a church. So I'm glad that you've done that. But how many of you found that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you found that to be a little awkward, trying to make that happen in, in the family? And uh, it, it can feel that way. And I think part of the problem is this. We come together where we've worked really hard to get all the transitions right. We have the best singers and instrumentalists, and, and thank God, I mean, come on, why don't we just say thanks to our worship team? They're phenomenal. It's great. We love it. We kind of work on our, you know, intro, how we're going to start. We know how we're going to conclude. We have all this nice process in between. And so what we experience as church, you just have to understand, I'm not trying to knock and say this is all bad, it's just that we need to understand it, okay? What we experience as church is almost a professional expression of a religious product that leaves the rest of us that would be maybe considered ordinary Christians, uh, which, by the way, I never wanted to pastor a church. I, I, my view was I was way too ordinary to ever stand up and speak about the Bible. No one ever taught me how to preach. I just got up and started yelling, and it seemed to work. <laughs> Uh, you know, like 
we're just on this journey trying to figure this out. But what's, what we have to understand is many times the professional product of church expression leaves ordinary believers feeling like their efforts spiritually just don't feel right. Because we've touched such a, a great process that we need to learn to manage and handle something that sometimes might feel a little awkward but actually is deeply, deeply spiritual. So I just want to kind of set you up for where we're going to go with that. Uh, in conclusion, I have some people that are going to assist me in, uh, in demonstrating. But today I have an unusual approach I want to take to uh, a word that I felt like the Lord's been stirring in my heart for quite some time. And it was reiterated on a trip that we were on recently. We're in this focus of algorithm. And... Um, what we've, again, in an effort to try and understand the value of the gathering, because the Bible says, forsake not your, the assembling of the saints together. There's something valuable about our gathering. The problem is we've just made this so primary uh, that we've not helped people understand what's truly primary. And, um, and so we've been talking about this for a couple of years. I'm not going to go recap all of this, but I just, I'm sure there are things I'm saying that just register with you. If you've only heard this for the first time, um, you know, today, some of these ideas, but the Lord's just doing something where he's trying to awaken the church to a deeper, more authentic approach to serving the heart of Jesus. The world's not convinced that we're who we say we are. And they're largely um, confused about who Christians are. And the main reason is because Christians are largely confused about who Christians are. And so even in, in the focus of a season we've come into of understanding the idea of algorithms and these hidden, secret, unseen things that influence our lives, um, rather than trying to package that as a nice, neat series, which we've done in the past, and we may do in the future, I don't know. I just know in this season, the Lord just said, we're going to stop doing these series that we put together and express, and rather than a series, we're just going to discern a season. And we're just staying in this season until we discern the next season has come. And then we want to move with him in that. And so my goal, our goal, our heart as a church family is that we raise up believers who understand they are a prophetic company actually with the ability to sense and hear the nearness and the presence and the voice of the Lord their God. So we want to demonstrate that even in the way we worship and the way we gather around the word. And uh, ultimately in this season, what we figured out is that there's something God placed within every person in the room right now. Some of you, your amen, you know, your hallelujah, walk dog, bishop, uh, whatever, you know, you hanky wave or hand clap, that expression. What happens is something's triggered inside you. And then once that's triggered within you, you give expression to what's triggered within you. And it actually affects the world around you. Do you understand that's how the gospel works? And the problem is we've bypassed the trigger inside and we've tried to create all this religious expression on the outside and we don't, we don't have the heart that we need. So we're stepping back and trying to evaluate these unseen influences in all of our lives actually really matter. Right now there are things processing in your brain and in your heart and in your spirit more importantly that are helping you to become more of who God desires for you to become. And this is a God-given process. It's the unseen realm that exists within you. We're to fix our eyes on that which is unseen. In other words, we're to focus and prioritize on the things that aren't just the things the world focuses and prioritizes on because they can't even understand what we're talking about half the time because they're simply spiritually dead. We're spiritually alive, and aren't you glad we're spiritually alive? And then we don't want to become prideful about being spiritually alive. We want to be humble. I mean, this whole process is just you walking with the Holy Spirit, dealing with you every step of the way on, on the you that you need to get past and on the 
me that I need to get past. And man, the more I walk with God, the more I realize me is a big problem. <laughs> I've had more problems with the person I see in the mirror every morning than I have any man I've ever met in my whole life. And the Lord's just trying to take us beyond that and understand, I'm trying to awaken things within you. That's the way the kingdom of God works. God awakens things within us that transforms the world around us. God's not trying to change your environment. God, would you just change my money situation? Would you just change my marriage situation? Would you just change my work situation? God's not trying to change your situation. He's trying to change you because you actually have the capacity to change your situation. This is a part of you being able to process the right things internally that then express something eternally around you in a way that really does transform the world. We read about this in the kingpin verse we've kept coming back to in this season is in John 1.12. But as many as received him, if you receive Jesus, can you say amen? As many as received Christ, to them, I love it, he gave the power to become you process things within you and you become something. Be careful what you process because you're going to become the result of what you're processing. In other words, guard your heart. Have you heard that verse before? He's given us the process to become the sons and daughters of God, even to them that believe on his name. So very important that we understand everybody in this place has a certain cultural paradigm that is shaped by the context of your life. The context of your life is really important. The way you grew up, where you grew up. If you grew up where people talk funny, you talk funny. I mean, if you know, everybody has an accent, right? Uh, probably whatever it was last month, Tracy and I were, uh, I was speaking at this event in England and afterward the lady came up and she starts asking us questions, just random questions. And, 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 you know, Tracy and the girls and I are standing there. It's great just to talk to her and hear her British accent and her, her questions. And, and, and finally she just admitted because her questions were pretty random. She said, I don't really have any questions to ask. I just love your accent. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I don't have an accent. You do. I mean, I love when we're, we're, over the years, when we've been in the UK in families' homes and they ask the children to pray. It is the most beautiful, dear Lord, thank you for our food. I just want to grab my phone and film them. <laughs> like, man, I want to replay that. It's just beautiful. You know why those kids talk like that? Because their parents talk like that. It's the cultural context that they've grown up in and it's shaped who they are and the sound that they've heard and the sound that they make. When you get under a certain sound that you hear, it becomes the sound that you make. The thing that all of us need to understand is that we all have an accent that comes uh, from the influence of a place we would call home. And I don't know if you understand where I'm driving with all this yet, but the Bible clearly says, heaven is your home. And so today, I want us to talk about the accent of God and the sound of heaven, because you can get under the sound of heaven, and then the sound of heaven can start to come out of you as you begin to transform the world around you with profound significance and eternal release.
I used to just feel like I had to, you know, fill every moment. I just don't. Especially when we start getting excited together, because like I'm easily excited. How many you know that? And then like I get people revved up and you get revved up and then we feed off of that. And then sometimes I get lost in that. And it's more of just this bed of excitement than it is listening to the Lord. I'm, I'm learning this journey. I want to learn this journey more. We, we knew when 2019 concluded and we stepped into 2020, every year we focus in on something we call as a church family a New Year's revelation. It's great for you to have a resolution. It's better for you to have a revelation. A resolution is something you want to work on. A revelation is something God wants to work on. So every year we just all come together and focus in on a New Year's revelation. And we knew when 2019 concluded and we stepped into 2020, the Lord wasn't just giving us a New Year's revelation. He was actually giving us a revelation for the decade. If you remember when we stepped into 2020, we stepped into the 2020s. And we started to declare very consistently and come back to it often, we have entered into the, the, the roaring 20s. Not like the 1920s, but like the 2020s, where the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah is awakening the prophetic roar of God in the body of Christ. That's what this decade is about. God is awakening something within us that has the power to transform the world around us. The roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah is actually stirring something in your heart right now. He's awakening something within every single one of us. You don't need a man to teach you. You need the anointing to teach you. Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. He's having a conversation with every person in the room and every person online. He's your father. He's nobody's grandfather. He's not my kid's grandfather. He's their father. He's your father. He is a loving father who wants to lead you, guide you, direct you, make disciples out of you. Jesus is the one who makes disciples, and he's still making disciples today. And this is what I'm starting to learn more and more. The more we spend time in conversation with God, the more we begin to have the very accent of God releasing the sound of heaven in the earth. So I want to read several verses of Scripture. And it's so funny... Um, I'm over it now, but I remember when we started focusing in more on elaborate portions of Scripture. We're going to turn to Romans 12. But I remember when we first started focusing in on elaborate portions of Scripture, <laughs> uh, I was very apologetic. Like, I'm going to read more than two verses. It's going to take a little while. Uh, and I was like, I was apologetic that I'm going to read, a, like, where is the power of God? Is the power of God in my clever? Or is the power of God in his power in his word? And so I want to read his word in a way that we're engaging in his word. We do something, it's a beautiful thing, and, and, and it's just simply called Turn the Page. And as a church family, we promote this, foster this. It'll be on our social media tomorrow if you follow Destiny OKC or uh, get our app uh, social media, all that, but, but it'll be a brief explanation of what this is. It's just an old-fashioned Bible. That's why uh, we try to encourage everybody to bring an old-fashioned Bible to church. And uh, you start in the book of Genesis, and then every day you just turn one page. <laughs> you write the date at the top, commemorate, child's first step, you know, whatever it is, something going on in your life. And at the conclusion of about two and a half years, you'll have gone through the entire Bible. Sometimes you don't understand 
But even if you don't understand, you have to realize you're not just feeding your brain. You're feeding your spirit. You're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. So feed your spirit. Even when you're in the book of Leviticus and you're just like, I don't get this at all. Just keep on. Stay the course. And here's the beauty of all of it. It's not just about reading a book. It's actually about sitting with the author. And if you'll do it that way and just say, all right, Lord, I just read like some crazy stuff. I don't understand any of it, but your presence is so good. Then it's a beautiful, you know, moment that you can experience with God in a daily encounter. And then it gives you this amazing heirloom to give to your children, your children's children. So I'm going to read out of Romans chapter 12. And I want us to experience the Lord in our reading. So follow me. If you would, we're going to start in verse 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You get it. Don't be like the world. Process some things that you need to process because what you process determines who you become. So renew your mind. Don't be like the world. Renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, let me just say something about that particular verse. I've read this verse personally almost as much as maybe any other verse. And I've never really had a clear understanding of what that really even means. It says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. But this last week, I felt like the Lord spoke something to me. And when he spoke it to me, I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, share this with the congregation because it's going to mean something to you in the course of this next week. So I want to obey his lead, and I want to ask you to write this down. If you've got your Bible, you'll write it in the margin. If you don't have something to write on, borrow your neighbor's lipstick and put it on your forearm, whatever you need to do. But I want to encourage you to think about this. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll be able to discern and determine what God's will is. That's the two words, discern and determine. I really felt the Lord was saying he's going to give some insight to this this next week. You'll be able to discern. In other words, you get into the word, and the unrenewed mind starts to be a discerning thought life pattern. And I'm able then to discern and then make decisions and determine, test and approve, discern and determine what God's will is. The more I'm in the word, the more discerning I become. How many know that's true? I was listening uh, to a, an event this last week, and, and somebody stood up on the platform, and they just began to read a portion of Scripture. And, and I remember listening to them read, and this is what I thought. They've been with God. How many of you know somebody who's actually been uh, really intimate with God, routinely, regularly, consistently, in a fresh and living way? When they stand up and read Scripture, they're going to bring something a little different in expression than somebody who's maybe carnal-minded. You understand what I'm saying? It's no shot to anybody. It's just, come on, let's all go there. Uh, I want to be a discerning individual. I want to get in the Word and allow my mind to begin to discern so then I can determine the will of God. And then you'll be able to discern and determine or test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, 
but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has uh, one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many and form one body. Each member belongs to the other. I mean, I want to just say and encourage you in this understanding, this gathering and your church family, it is really important to your spiritual wellness. You, You have to see this. Each member belongs to each other. This is not like the soccer club or the bowling league or your golf buddies, you understand, we're talking about the body of Christ where we actually belong to each other. You're not going to find the level of spiritual depth of community, even if you find great friendships that God actually is intending for you to experience as you encounter him in this. And so very important that we understand that. Verse, we'll pick up again at verse 5. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. How many know we're all different? And what we're about to read is the string of seven, what would commonly be called motivational gifts that God deposited within each and every one of us. And it's important to understand a little bit of this. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Just I want to point out of these seven expressions of motivational gifts. In other words, God put something in you. How many of you in this room tend to be very compassionate? Maybe you cry easy. You hear somebody in pain and you feel their pain. Just raise your hand. Hold them up there. Okay, how many of you, you're not like that at all? Raise your hand. Let's just be honest. Okay, so that's okay. You have to understand, actually, a motivational gift that we read about in Scripture is actually showing mercy. Should everybody be merciful? Yes, everybody should be merciful. But I mean, some people are actually gifted to be motivated by that sense of deeper compassion. Boy, do we need them when we're hurting. But this other gift that it talked about, uh, lead, you know, administration, leading. These are the people that say, I know you're having a rough time, but come on, get over it. We've got to go somewhere. We've got to get something done. And these gifts all work together. Then there's like the teacher, and the teacher is like, I know we got to go somewhere, but hold on, everybody. You need some information. I've got to help you understand. And then the encourager, that would be my spiritual gift. And they're like, let's get this party started. Right? And we need that encourager, but that encourager can encourage you in the state of ignorance. (laughs) And it's like, what are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to go? I don't know, but we're having a great time, aren't we? And these gifts just start to function. Do you understand? Without each other, they are incomplete. That's why we belong to each other and we need each other. You can have distinction without having to have division when you understand the body of Christ. I think it is interesting. One of these is giving is a motivational gift. I'd like to just point something out to you. In the same way everybody's supposed to have mercy, but some people have an exceptional deposit of compassion, So is it the case we all should give? Do we all agree with that? So 
that, that wasn't a very hearty amen. I would really appreciate a little more help there. But we always, giving, like tithes and offering, has always throughout the Old Testament been a part of, of worship. And then, like, it's into the New Testament, too, because Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, you should not neglect the tithe. He said that specifically. So it's not just an Old Testament thing. What it is is a bright materialism and greed off of your life thing. That's what it is. Every time you increase, then you bring that increase before the Lord. You honor him with tithe. So the giving stations are at the back. You can text GIVE to the number that shows up on the screen. You can get on the app. We want you to give and want you to give in a way that actually is worshipful, okay? We don't want you to be compelled to give. We don't want to, you know, it's okay if churches pass uh, buckets and that sort of thing. We chose to to stop doing that a few years back because I didn't want to stand up here and feel like you were going to have to, you know, face the bucket and be talked out of your rent that week. That's, That's not what giving is supposed to be. You should be intentional and worshipful about your giving. And then there are some people that have this deeper sense of a motivational gift of giving. What that means is God put it within them to actually have the capacity to attract the finances out of the world in greater measure, and they find being uh, generous actually releases something of fulfillment in their lives. So this coming Saturday, for instance, we're going to be working. We're going to meet here at 9 a.m. Probably someone's going to make an announcement about it, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it my best. I'm shooting from the hip. This Saturday, we're, we're doing our Love Our City. We're going to leave. For, we're coming here for a commissioning and prayer about 9. Is 9 o'clock correct? I have, I have some nods. That's, that's, that's affirmation enough. And so uh, come to 9 o'clock. If we're not here, just keep praying until we get here. No, it'll be 9 o'clock on Saturday. And we're going to just come together and have a commissioning, a little a brief time of worship and a commission. We're going to be ministering, feeding the homeless. We're going to be helping people in need that, you know, I've seen people like put $5 worth of gas in their tank because that may be all they have. We're going to be giving $15 gas cards trying to help people. Uh, we're going to be uh, giving out care packages, first responders. And we're going to just do some stuff to be nice. How many of you know, just, just track me. I'm not, I'm not trying to take an offering, but I'm just trying to make the point. One person with the motivational gift of giving would find it really exciting to underwrite everything about that entire endeavor. And what happens when we start to work in our realm of giftedness, it actually attracts resources into our lives because then God begins to pour not just to us but through us and we learn more about what the Bible says, give and it'll be given to you, good measure, press down, shake it together, running over, and men will give into your bosom or your client base will increase or your bonus structure will enlarge. I mean, it's just crazy how all this works when you start to function the way God designed you to function. So pay attention to the uniqueness that exists within you. And then this next verse is so very important. Verse 9, because this is how it all needs to come back to. Love, everybody say love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. My goodness, each one of these verses could just be a whole week of reflection. Would you agree? Just so powerful. And it goes on, verse 13, share with others, uh, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And I love it, the kingpin conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, practice hospitality. (laughs) 
Practice hospitality. It is a beautiful expression when we understand as a family that we belong to each other and we start to combine our efforts to love, serve, and give in such a way that everybody begins to flourish and the kingdom of God begins to expand and the world begins to be transformed. God does a work within us. It transforms the world around us when we cooperate with the work that he's doing within us, but we can resist that work. So, we have to work at renewing our mind and, and walking this out. And, and I want to just address something that uh, I observed as a tension when I was reading this. Romans chapter 12 is this, you know, don't be conformed to the world, be, re, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul then also says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, I became all things to all men that I might win some. Don't be like the world. I became all things to all men that I might win some to the Lord. Don't be like them, those people. I became like those people. I, I'm, I'm reading that, and how many of you know this is what we would call a theological tension? We find theological tensions in the Bible, and it doesn't actually produce a contradiction. It just produces a completion of the whole picture. I'll give you an illustration. The book of Proverbs tells us and suggests that a virtuous life leads to flourishing and blessing. How many of you are so thankful for that? But two books earlier in the book of Job, a virtuous life led to a whole lot of problems. There's a theological tension. And what we have to do then is evaluate, number one, we walk in an attitude of faith. But how many of you know we also have to walk in an attitude of trust? Sometimes not everything's going to make sense. God's bigger than we are. And we had to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, lean not to our own understanding. So, so let's just explore this a little bit because I felt this was something I was supposed to point out to you in my remaining hour and a half of lecture. <laughs> Learning to live in the midst of these two tensions. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. I became all things to all men. Learning to live in those two tensions is a very important part of the Christian life. The book of Revelation was not written so that we would build bunkers and hide out in them until Jesus comes back. We actually have an assignment to go into the world, make disciples, love them well. That's our assignment. Not hide from them because we're afraid of them, yet we're not to be conformed to the world. So these two principles exist, and I just want to lay them out this way. The first one we're going to look at is this, uh, this become all things to all men. This would be what we're going to call today the indigenous principle. And it says that the gospel can and must be home to the cultures of every nation of the world. The gospel must, I mean, enter into every sphere of every society and every culture and every nation, and that is salt. How many of you know salt transform what it touches? I, I, it's salt in a salt shaker that's on a table and never shaken up, turned upside down. How many of you ever been shaken up, turned upside down, dealt with problems in your life? That's what is happening in your life. Is you, all of a sudden the salt shakers grab, we're the salt of the earth, right? And that's shaken upside down. And all of a sudden my pain starts to discover and reveal purpose that I can minister to others out of the pain I've walked through. Because I've walked through difficulty, I hear somebody else walking through difficulty. I'm not going to waste my pain. God never wastes a single hurt. I'm going to use my pain in the hands of God to purposefully minister to the lives of others around me. That's what that's all about. Instead of getting mad at God because it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. How many of you have been there? Maybe you're there right now. 
trust in the Lord and allow him to use even the difficult moments to deepen something within you as you walk through this world and look for those opportunities. The indigenous principle is the work of the Lord out of your life and the lives of people around you. Then there's the pilgrim principle. The pilgrim principle is the Romans 12 idea, and it's this sense of caution that we feel when we begin to settle into any culture uh, of the world as our actual home. So recognize this. God's kingdom is like a country with citizens. Do you understand that? God's kingdom is like a country with citizens, and we are citizens of heaven, Philippians chapter 3. If you're a citizen of heaven, say amen. Whatever accent you're using right now, I just want you to know, heaven is actually home, and the accent of God wants to invade your life and become your main accent and the main focus of your life. This is home. So have you ever traveled out of the country? Just raise your hand if you've traveled out of the country before. When you've left the country, then what you were is a citizen away from your country. If you go to China, it won't make you Chinese. You're just a citizen away from your country. And our true heaven, you get where I'm going, this is our true home is heaven. So in a real way, whether you're American or you know, where, whatever nation you may be a part of, your origin actually, because you became a born-again Christian, trumps all natural origins because you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience and your eternal position and posture seated in Christ in heavenly realms trumps everything else. When you live life from that perspective, then storms calm in the world that you're in. Mountains move. Healed people, uh, sick people get healed. Like dead people are raised to, the, to life. I mean, this is crazy stuff. But the more we renew our mind, the more we have a sense of anticipation and expectation, calling things that are not as though they are because we've learned the accent of God and the sound of heaven exists within us. So I heard this story, and it was a missionary who gave his life to ministry overseas. I mean, he had worked and sacrificed everything. Had come to the latter part of his life and was ready to conclude, and he was making his final journey home to the United States. And on the voyage home, he began to hear conversation that President Teddy Roosevelt was actually on the same ship. He had been on one of his big game hunts, and he happened to be on the voyage home with this missionary. And the missionary, through the course of the trip, would you know, look and watch and try and get a glimpse of this great man who was uh, well-known. And it was interesting because as the boat docked, the band was there playing, and the mayor was there, and the newspapers were there, and, and, and you know, it was just this incredible fanfare over the president, and, and the, the, the missionary described uh, watching, you know, as he walks off of the, the boat, the missionary had no family, nobody there to greet him, and he walked off the boat just going to find his way back to what he would call home and, and find his way to conclude, you know, his final years of life having served the Lord. And as he got off the boat and he began walking back, he actually found himself saying, why should I have given my life in faithful service when all these years to you, Lord, and then I come home and nobody even cares. Nobody says anything. Nobody welcomes me. And he said it was as if the Lord put his hand on his shoulder and said, but son, you're not home yet. 
It's pretty important that we learn to live our lives with eternity as our focus. The accent of God, the sound of heaven, stirring something deep within our lives, awakening purposes beyond what this world could ever understand or comprehend. This week, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to just immerse yourself in God's Word. This, this little GP2RL, anybody know what that is? Can, can everybody say it out loud with me if we say it? God's presence to real life. Sometimes we just you know, use phrases and don't ever really explain. We bring God's presence to real life. You should be experiencing God's presence in your real life. Just this is the way we walk. That's, that's who we are as a church family. We love God's presence, and we want that just to walk out in regular, everyday life. Understanding the indigenous principle and the pilgrim principle and how those work together. But I want to challenge you this week. Immerse yourself in God's word as you invite the sound of heaven to be awakened within your heart. All of us could spend more time in the word. Would you agree? How many of you play a game on your phone? Can I just see? Raise your hand, all you sinners. Here we are. I play a game on my phone. Don't judge me. This last week, because I knew what my challenge was going to be, I decided that I was going to do something. And every time I thought to play a game, before I beat a level on my game, I addressed a level spiritually first. And, and I, I, I didn't just read the book of Proverbs. Here's, here's what the awkward thing was I was telling you earlier. Everybody doing okay? We're, we're, we're going to be gone before too long. It's not all that uncomfortable in here, right? <laughs> Um, I, all week long, I decided that anytime I thought about playing my game, I was going to pray a chapter of scripture before I played the game. I think I played the game from a lot better. Maybe the Lord was blessing my game playing. I don't know. Just, that's just speculative theology. Uh, seek you first the kingdom of God and all the levels will be added to you. I don't know. We can, different translations of scripture. But, but I, before I would play a level, I would take a book of Proverbs, a chapter of Proverbs, and I would pray it. I wouldn't just read it. I would pray it. And our family did this last week. And, and I said, you know, we're going to do the book of Colossians. And we just started a chapter in Colossians. And we all took turns, Tracy, Faith, Lexi, and I. And we all took turns. We read a verse or two or maybe three. Something that spoke to us, or we could pause and just kind of mine something out of it, and then we would pray it. And so when I pray, you know, like the verse I joke, seek you first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you, I might pause right there and just say, Lord, help me to seek you first. Like, what kind of stuff are you wanting to entrust in my care? Would you help me to get this? I mean, that's a beautiful prayer, isn't it? Like, honesty. And, and we just did that. And it was awkward, but, but it was beautiful. And, and I've invited four people who are going to help me to demonstrate this. And I'm going to ask them to come. The worship team is going to come. Uh, and I've just asked them to pray the portion of Scripture that we're talking about today out of Romans chapter 12. And I want to encourage you this week, immerse yourself in the Word of God. It's one thing to turn the page and read the Bible, and that's great. But it's another thing to actually encounter the author of Scripture. As you pull something out of the Word, all I'm talking about is reading the Bible in a way that you're thinking about it enough to be able to pray it back to the Lord who gave it to you in the first place. This is a brand new thing to me as a Christian. It's just something we're, we're trying as a family, and, and I would encourage you. Uh, you all go ahead and come. Sorry, I didn't realize you were waiting on my cue. 
But we're just trying to learn. How many of you just want to grow and learn? And sometimes you got to try new things. I would encourage you this week, find um, either you know, some family or friends that you can just say, hey, let's take, I would suggest like Proverbs 4 is a great chapter. Uh, that was one of the ones I found to be uh, most fruitful in my time of praying. I, I was able to get through all the chapters of Proverbs this week. That's how much I play my game. That's a problem. I might need a 12-step program. Um, but just take time and maybe pick a chapter and do what I'm talking about maybe like this. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. God, I thank you that you are helping us to not be conformed to this world. That by the renewing of your, our minds, God, we will be the men and women of God that you have called us to be. Thank you in helping us with that today. Now, before Dee Dee goes, did you hear how beautifully that music came on? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Welcome to church where we have such a great flow. I just want to point out it's not going to feel like that. You get it? Be prepared for the awkward. It's not that awkward is bad. How many of you learned how to walk? Can I just see? Raise your hand if you ever learned how to walk. Guess what? The first time you tried to walk, you were like, awkward. Right? So, so don't, don't fear awkward. Embrace it. Turn on some music. It's okay to do that. I would suggest Christian music, not like Van Halen or something, but turn on some music as you're reading. And, um, and, and I, I want to just disrupt it for a moment just to make sure we're understanding the essence. It's just so important. Lord, would you, would you just help us to get this? Yes, God. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I know that there's something so tender in the heart of God about mobilizing your people to encounter you in a way that we understand you as our Father. We can know you as our Savior. We can recognize your direction, salvation, and everything in our lives. But if we don't know you as our intimate Father, we're missing the most vital thing at the center of it all, our Father who is in heaven. First and foremost, that was Jesus' way of teaching the disciples how to pray. So help us to walk in that, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Didi, go right ahead. Verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Lord Jesus, help us to remember to walk in your humility. Help us to put others first and ourselves last. And sometimes that's a very difficult thing to do. But we're just trusting you that humility is where you want us to be and loving others is our purpose. In Jesus' name. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, 
He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Jesus, I ask that you would break the spirit of comparison. I just pray that you would, we would not be discouraged by our different gifts. We'd be encouraged, Lord, by, by every unique ability that you've given us. And I just pray that we'll use those in accordance to your plan and purpose for our lives. Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Jesus, I just ask that you would... Give us eyes to see what is good. Past it. We would we would run to you because you are good. And that we would you would give us knowledge to know what is evil and what is good. That you would stand in the gap where there is confusion. I sent them a message asking them if they would do this and I didn't know if they would be willing to uh, but how many of you think that was a beautiful demonstration of the reality of knowing God I think so many times we gather together like this and we just miss the point we do such a great job at making everything look so spectacular and inviting and attractional. And we even call it the, the attractional model of church. And we're almost afraid to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because we want to serve a seeker-sensitive community. I just want you to know Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit is real. The gifts of the Spirit are for today. And we want everybody to walk in the power of God Almighty, recognizing the nearness and awareness of God. Rather than dancing around those things, trying not to offend people, we ought to just call them up out of the, uh, where they've been and say, you're not just a shepherd boy, you're a king. I see something more in you as you begin to encounter the Lord your God. Come on, let's stand together. It's important to us that you know who the elders of the house are. So once a month, we allow our um, prayer team just to have reprieve. And if they need prayer, we can pray for them. But every uh, Sunday, we conclude just in a brief time of worship with a prayer team available right back behind um, the center section. And I would encourage you, if there is anything that we can pray with you about, if, if something today has struck you well and you have this sense of maybe pain turn, turning to purpose or you've been You've not been renewing your mind. You've not been guarding your heart. You just want somebody to stand with you. I mean, you know, there's something powerful about the prayer of agreement. And so I would encourage you, uh, our elders are going to be available. I want to present them to you as they will make their way back after I call their name. Uh, Jim and Diana Howard. Jason and Heather Shiflett. Derek and Crystal Wilson. Dave and Lauren Fulford. Wade and Jennifer Moore. And I want to say thank you to uh, these men and women who serve this church family. You know, uh, there are, I'll just tell you, there are a lot of things that you are very protected from. 
a lot of issues, circumstances, and situations that we have to navigate through together. And I just say a special thank you to those that serve as mothers and fathers of this house and sometimes carry a load that no one will ever know. And thank God uh, for the many years of relationship uh, represented in that group of people. So what we want to do now is just bring our hearts before the Lord in a place of worship, just honoring the Lord. There's communion right here in the back of the center. If you want to just take uh, that which God's stirring in your heart and go find one of those communion stations. We receive communion uh, together from time to time, but it's available every week. Giving stations, if you want to just worship the Lord with your giving. If you just want to stay right where you are and just press in for a few moments, we're not going to tarry too long. But I'm not going to apologize for tarrying as we take some time just to press into the Lord. Come on. Would you just allow him to awaken your heart? If you're here today and you need to make a decision for Christ, we want to pray with you. Our elders are available. As you go back, whatever your need may be, we want to agree with you for the Lord to have his way. Lord, I just thank you that uh, you are the spirit of prophecy. I thank you that when we gather like this, there's something of the forward nature of God that begins to stir within our hearts. And we have a, a hunger and an appetite for something that lies ahead that you are fully aware of that exists. Lord, would you just help us to live our lives with eternity in mind, in the way we worship, in the way we love, in the way we serve, in the way we give. We give you glory and honor today power of your word, the presence of your spirit, for the body of Christ that rests within the church, the fullness of God. It's mind-blowing. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Come on, would you just press into the Lord for a few moments before we're dismissed?